Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it, and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. He's one of my favorite human beings in the whole entire world. And ever since I started this podcast, people have been like, when is motherfucking Callum Best getting on that microphone with you? And I knew it was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen, but we're both busy people. We're going to get into that today. He's here with me today, and we decided to keep the script free flowing. We're going to see where today's conversation goes. We have some things that we want to talk about. We have some things that he also might not want to talk about that I might ask him and we'll see we'll see <laughs> where we go from that so first of all hi thank you so much for joining us absolute pleasure so proud of you what a setup I was thinking about the last time we did something similar from your apartment in your studio setup room and we like you sat my knee we like took a photo and it went down really well and that was one of the times where I was like god we were really really good together oh yeah my boyfriend at the time was like do you always have to sit on his knee like that and I was like <laughs> sorry <laughs> I didn't even think about that man. I just thought to myself what a good energy what a good woman. So proud of you. This setup is incredible, fully, thoroughly deserved. I've seen you work your ass off from the very beginning of a conversation of you saying I was supposed to follow the norm and I was told by my parents to go and become a lawyer and I went and I studied, but my calling is something else. My calling was fitness, then it went to fitness, then your calling was therapy and helping other people. And now it's led you to a point where you have been seen and respected and, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Oh my goodness, you're going to make me cry already. That's so kind of you. It's true though. And I think what people don't understand about about you and me is that we've known each other now for a very long time and we probably met what would you say like 12 or 13 years ago yeah that's about right and we met on a fitness trip to Bali and one <laughs> I that. oh my god the flashbacks well there's the one story that I don't think we can tell on the podcast nah. not, not to do with you and me before yeah. anyone but yeah there was that trip was loose wasn't it yeah I remember I gotta share a story so some lovely person offered us a villa and to bring the social media influencers and the fitness and I remember oh on god. like night two right we like wake up and in the pool is like a broken surfboard with like fuck you American tourists, English 
pricks leave and we were all like what the fuck is going on is this for real yeah and then we found out it was the woman who hired us her boyfriend got pissed that night and then like went into people's rooms and like opened their suitcase and put you remember that all the yeah, crazy shit we were like there was someone in the villa and we were like hiding yeah, behind the doors yeah, yeah. And wait i think i think i've like blocked that out because that is actually traumatic i when remember you tell waking up story. and thinking to myself god damn this guy wants to kill us all and then i'm like oh, who wants it <laughs> like, want some come and get it but uh yeah that was a mad trip and then i remember that one actually was quite a messy one for me we went down to the beach one day and i got completely pissed lost my wallet and i had to ask all of you to help me get home so we lost callum and then i was like we should probably find callum we're in <laughs> bali i don't know where callum is it's a long time ago people yeah this is a long time ago and we yeah we lost you and i found you i we went to your hotel and they wouldn't let us into your hotel room and I I was like, let me in his fucking hotel room. Found you just totally naked, face down on your bed, passed out with kebab and chips. Just all oh, it's horrific, but great time. But it's okay, because it's like, we do those things when we're younger, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you still waking up with kebab and chips all over you today? No, no, I'm waking up drinking my liquid chlorophyll. <laughs> I had my turmeric. I did my meditation. Things are sweet. I mean, there's still like chance for a little devil on my shoulder to, to work his magic. But overall, it's a very positive and healthy and grinding away lifestyle. Yeah, I love that. And I think the first thing I remember about you from that trip is that when we got in a car with like a driver or something, Callum didn't get in the back. And I said to him, why didn't you get in the back? And he said to me, I never like the driver to feel disrespected by sitting in the back. And in that fucking moment, I mean, it gives me a little goosebumps, makes me feel a bit emotional. In that moment, I was like, what an incredible person. Like, what an amazing person. And I think that that was the start of our friendship. Yeah. And I think that one of the things we're going to talk about today is how there are perceptions of people in the media, right? Mm. And your whole life you've lived in the media. Mm. You have gone on a crazy journey. Mm. And I think sometimes we look at Justin Bieber, for example, and we think, God, how traumatic he's lived his whole life in the public eye. And we forget that, like, my amazing friend Callum, you have done exactly the same thing. Well, I'm no Justin Bieber, but I mean, <laughs> well, there's some great you know. pictures of him. There's like memes all over the place in there where he's like, his missus is coming out all like yeah. from a proper done to the nines and he's coming out his fucking hoodie tied around With his, his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, fair play, bro, you know? Yeah, well, you're, you're much better dressed than him. Thanks. But the thing is, is that you probably, like me, people have perceptions of us. And that moment when you sat in the front of the car, I realized, wow, this man has integrity. He is kind, he is respectful, he is loving. And that has never fucking wavered for me. We have not had one moment in our friendship. I mean, probably because we haven't gone any nights out together, but we have not had one moment in a friendship where I have, I have ever thought you are anything less than the most kind, most genuine, most caring, most charismatic, most intelligent mm. person. I love our friendship and I love everything you stand for. How does that make you feel actually when someone says that to you? Yeah, well, it's mutual. I think that, you know, God, what, it's going to go straight into a flaw. It's so typically me. But one of the things I do is I don't open up that much to many. But you, straight away, we were homies. You know what I mean? There was a real respect. We were very similar in ways. And I just knew that you'd be a friend for life straight away. You mm. gave off that kind of vibe. And I think we've had that ever since, you know? And I think just to bring it back to the getting in the front of the seat, I mean, some of us are blessed to have morals and manners instilled in us. You know, I think that I was very lucky to learn different characteristics and traits and a sound moral compass through through different parents. And I remember my dad one time, albeit him being a heavy, heavy drinker, I remember we went to the pub one day and we were going from the pub back to this hotel we were staying in and the taxi came and I got in the back and he got in the front. I didn't understand it. I was like, why has he got in the front? So we got back. I was like, dad, why'd you get in the front? He was like, well, I don't ever want that person to think that he's driving me around. Or and that stuck with me from that age of like, I think I was like 12 or 13. I've never forgot that ever since. Don't get me wrong. If you know, if there's a certain scenario where you want to get in the back seat and you want to live the lifestyle, totally cool. But there's also, I feel any opportunity you get in this life to make somebody else feel better or feel equal or feel some sort of way that 
you know you can help them feel or guide them to feel you got to take it. You know what I mean? That's so beautiful that you learned that from your dad. Yeah, I didn't cool, know that. It? Yeah, yeah. Well, it wouldn't be something I would share unless it was like kind of brought up. There's also other things I've learned from him that were <laughs> so fucking respectful. But I think that, uh, you know, I'm very lucky with a cool mom and a very witty dad to just be raised well as such. You know, and I think down that path of life, you either stick with it or you stray from it. But I do, you know, the past 10, 15 years, I've tried very hard to kind of live the most well-mannered, polite version of myself that I can for my own sanity and to respect other people as well. And so for people listening that maybe don't know who you are, mm. maybe some more, well, some more of the Americans listening, because most people here are very, very excited. When I posted that you were coming on, they were like, fuck yes, I love him. He's so sexy. Cannot tell you how many people also asked me if you're single. I was we'll like, we'll, we'll get to yes. that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Straight to camera. Thank you. <laughs> also, one girl was like, can you ask if he remembers kissing me like 12 years ago at a tattoo convention? Oh my goodness, I can. <laughs> Actually, I can, because I remember exactly what she was talking about. It was London Docks Tattoo. That was another messy one of mine years and years ago. I think I got home with one shoe on. Oh, But it was like, it was all part of the process, you know? Yeah, and I think this is why we get on, is that, like, I actually, the night that pushed me to going sober, there were a lot of bad things that happened. One less bad thing was that I also ended up at home with one shoe. Like, yeah. But I was actually had one shoe in the nightclub. I was in the box. We all know the box is where dreams go to die. Mm. Like, guys, don't go to the fucking box. Like, mm. bad things happen there. I was in there with one shoe. So Callum and I, I think that's what you said around, like, we've been on this journey, right? Yeah, we yeah. have both seen the darkness. We have both gone through substance abuse and trauma and just so many things that are dark. Mm. But we've also gone through so many, like, beautiful things around personal development, health and fitness. Like, mm. your relationship with your mum is, like, so beautiful. And for the people that maybe don't know, because, yeah, you know, sorry. by the way you said there, you said I've been very lucky to been raised so well. Mm. And I think that's beautiful. It maybe skips over the fact that actually you went through, like, a ton of stress as yeah. a child as well. Yeah, yeah. So I guess a breakdown of an intro was I'm California born and raised, but my bloodline's from here. My mother was a woman named Angie Best. My father was a man named George Best. He was one of the world's most known and, and respected footballers of his generation back in the 60s and 70s. They had me in America when he played for this team called San Jose Earthquakes. My parents got divorced and my mom raised me in America. That's why I sound like such a yank. <laughs> Lucky to have both passports. But over the years, I, I grew up in California and I was trying to form my own path. I got into kind of commercials and modeling and all these things that I thought that was what I was supposed to do at the time. And it did quite well and I was really happy with it. And then my dad fell ill because he was a drinker. Yeah. And he fell ill. And when I was about 20, I remember my mom saying, like, I don't know how much time he's got. And I didn't have a relationship with him. You know, I had a real kind of off and on one. I'd go over there. He'd come over here. And so one day I packed up and came to London to kind of get to know him better. Short and sweet. He was too far gone by then. But we talked women. We talked football. We had a great time. And then a two-week trip turned into six years later. And then he passed away. Then when he passed away, I kind of went inwards. I went under. I built up a really bad reputation for myself because I said, I really literally was like, fuck the world. Yeah, like I had all this hope of him pulling through and he didn't. And I went the wrong way. And I went the wrong way for many years. But the problem was is that it was all documented at the time because my dad was a very well-known person and I kind of was thrown in it. Don't get me wrong. I liked a lot of it at the time. But I was thrown into it and they documented some real fucking lows. At one point, it got real bad. You know, I was out every night for literally like six years. It was drinking every day. It was drugs, bankrupt, and it all went to shit. My health was bad. I remember looking at myself and I was like, fucking hell. At 42, I look and feel better than I did when I was 25. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think it's been a 
somewhat press scrutinized when I was younger. It's not been that much lately because I made a conscious effort to do better. About 10, 15 years ago, I just went, no, now's the time to change. I've spent the past 10, 15 years self-help, healing, helping others, building businesses, understanding what my potential is and trying to reach it. But like you said, what I really value about our friendship is that somebody that knows me, somebody like myself was down and out and struggling. The moral compass that you were raised with never changes. You know, you always want to be well-mannered. You always want to be respectful. You always want to treat people how you want to be treated. But I just didn't treat myself that way. I just fucking beat myself up. I had no self-confidence. I like literally just did everything to avoid any of those things, you know, and it sent me down a real nasty path. But the good news is, is that I think on about the same time that we met, it was the trajectory of starting to go upwards and onwards. And now since then of drinking every night and going bankrupt to a point of 10, 12, 15 years later, You know, you start to self-love, you start to heal, you start to practice all these things. Don't get me wrong. Like, I still got a little demon sitting on that shoulder. He's ready to go any fucking time, yeah? (laughs) Any time, if I said yes, he'd be really ready, willing, and able. And every once in a while, I might let loose because I haven't really figured that part out. But I figured out to the majority where I now sit here as a proud man. I sit here as a confident man. I sit here as a man who does everything he can to want to help and provide value for other people. And I've built some cool businesses and life is good, but it can always be better on this crazy journey of kind of healing and understanding who we are and what our purpose is. Yeah. And we're going to get into that around how, like you said, it feels like there could always be more. We live in a society where there could always be more, more money, more businesses, more change in perception. But just going back to that turning point, was there a rock bottom moment when you were like, this has to fucking change? Or was it? There was a few. Yeah, I'm not judging you. I've had some horrendous ones. Where do I start? Yeah. I think, Lou, it's like, I look back at some of the shit I did. There was a point, right, where I was dating somebody. We were both in the public eye, right? And there was a organized of a front cover of a big thing. Yeah, take some photos together. So I'm supposed to fly to Los Angeles on this day. Like the night before, me and my agent at the time went out for this night out. Yeah, so I'm grimacing we, if anyone's not watching yeah, on so video. Yeah, so we go for this night out. We end up back at this hotel with these two girls and all this madness happens. And I fly to Los Angeles and we're about to go do this shoot for the thing. And I get a call from my guy and he goes, mate, you know that last night we went back to that hell hotel. They set up a camera and they, <gasps> filmed, they filmed the whole thing. Yeah, But it was like debauchery. Yeah, it was like... You were having like an orgy, It was naughty as fuck, right? Naughty as it could be. And they then they threatened me. They said, all right, well, we now own this this footage. So you either have to do a piece with the paper saying that you're admitting to be a sex addict, you're admitting to be a coke addict, you're admitting to be an alcoholic, or we're going to release this video. And back then the press could do whatever they want. There weren't rules that came about because of something like the Levinson Inquiry, which is the phone hacking scandal, which I also was part of as well. So I was like, oh, well, I don't want that video released. So I will admit to doing all of these things, as you can imagine, we we didn't stay together. The thing didn't happen because yeah. I was like, I can't do that. And then that's about to go down. Everything just started falling but, apart. But yeah, I just I just remember thinking to myself, God, the how did I get to that? Enough Moments like that. Yeah. yeah. Where although I was in it, I look back at it and I go, that must have been, I must have said to myself like, fucking hell, how have I just screwed this up? What am I doing with those people? Like, don't get me wrong. I love a bit of naughtiness. That's, I enjoy it sometimes. But at the same time, like setting yourself up for fucking failure, knowing it's not a good idea, knowing it's a bad move, but yet fully swanning into Stepping it. Into like, it. yes, bring me all the negative outcomes I could have from this shit. You know what I mean? And that's what happened. That was a really, really, really low point on the front cover and it was like sex mad fucking drink drugs and I'm like holy shit what if my grandma sees that yeah and then another point this one's a little bit more of a spiritual one I remember I had been in the UK like I was a good like five or six 
probably longer than that, five or six years, if not more, that I hadn't seen my mother. Yeah. But I remember I was here and like all, when I first got here, it was like, I did the the campaign for Burberry with Mario Testino. I did the front cover of Womo Vogue. I did like the Tommy Hilfiger commercial. I'm like, ooh, I'm onto a winner. Like, this is cool. This is a vibe. And then next thing you know, I remember my agent at the time, we went to some nightclub and she was like, she saw my eyes light up. Yeah, because I was like, people uh-huh. welcome me with open arms. And there was a bit of this and there was a bit of that. And there was women. And I was like, ooh, this side's <laughs> quite fucking fun too. I remember she said, look, you've got a really good thing going on here. Don't get caught up in that. And I'm like, nah, I won't. Cut to six years later, I was caught up in yeah. it. It was every single night. My agency dropped me. I was getting no work. My chins were tripled. <laughs> everything was greasy. Like my hair was falling out. Everything was a shit show. And I remember my mom was like, I'm coming over. Yeah, like I hadn't seen her. I hadn't even really spoke to her much because I was so kind of ashamed of what I had mm. been through. And this was a turning point. I remember she rented this little cabin or this little cottage in Kew Gardens, right? And I hadn't seen her for years. I mean, me and my mom were close, yeah? Hadn't seen her for years. I was terrified to go and see her. So I like get the taxi. I go there and I walk into this like little cottage she's got. She's got the candles lit in the candelabra and there's like a little dog and and everything about it. I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Yeah, this is what I haven't felt or seen for years. Like home, love, welcoming compared to what I've been doing for the past six years. And and, and I just was like, oh, I'm so grateful that this is it. But I didn't really know it at the time. And she's like, do you want to go for a walk? And it was like the evening, the sun was setting. I remember it quite well. We walked down the Thames River. I was walking along. We were like talking about life I was like stuttering about life and she like put her hand in my arm like around here and I was so uncomfortable Uh. I was like how am I so morbidly uncomfortable about my mom putting her arm around me when this is my mom and she's like are you okay with this and I was like I didn't even know if I was okay with it. And then I went, oh, right, Callum, like sort your shit out. This is the only woman that cares about you right now present in your life. Yeah, Like Mm. let's make some changes. And I am a strong, strong believer. As soon as I went that night, I went, yes, now is this moment. Now is this time for change. No word of a lie. Days later, as soon as I put it out into the universe, I got a call (laughs) from the BBC. It was a small independent film company with these two women. And they wanted to make a documentary about the struggles of kids and alcohol in the UK. And it was called Brought Up by Booze. And they wanted me to wear my heart on my sleeve and be at the forefront of this thing and travel around the UK and meet kids of alcoholics, meet alcohol dependent people, meet charities and just do the whole thing. And I was fucking terrified, but I went, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like this has got, this has come for a reason. One bad thing is I knew I'd be slaughtered because I was going to be talking about my dad's drink problem, which was never an easy thing for me to do because all the people that loved him, whole another topic, that one. But I'm like, I've got to do this for myself. And now that I look back at it, you know, sometimes you have to make those decisions no matter what other people's opinions are. If it means that you're going to heal, yeah, you've got to share what you're going through to make sure that you can better yourself. And it was probably the best thing I ever did. It was a real turning point for me. And then since then, I mean, there's been loads of highs and lows, but since that opening yourself up to wanting to be better and meaning it, you start to learn and understand different tools and practices of that journey of self-development and self-help, really. And sometimes I actually, I'm nervous to say that because I'm like, oh, I don't want people to think that I needed help or I wanted these things, but then I go, no, it's okay. Lead from the front. Let people know it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to share a story. It's okay to want to better yourself. And there's a lot of this like weird stigma at the moment of no one's fucking there. Do it yourself. And I'm a big believer in doing it yourself. We are masters of our own destiny. You will make your life a success. I will We'll make our life a success, but if we can help each other along the way do it, then I think, why the hell would you not? And I just want to tell, I mean, if anybody was to listen, it's like, if you if you feel that you can't open up or share, you really need to, because it's a big part. It's led you here, hasn't it? Yeah, literally. I think what's so interesting there is that you said that 
the moment that you started to speak and use your voice is when everything started to change. And that was one of the hugest things in my therapy journey is the first time I stepped inside the therapy room, this guy, he wasn't the right therapist for me. I later found one that was amazing for me. But the first guy said, buy this book called The Compassionate Mind. It's basically all about shame and your problem is shame. He obviously didn't say it like that, but he was like, you are holding so much shame around all the shit that you fucked up about and all the ways that you dealt with how you fucked up about it that you just like, a bit similar to you, sort of just compounded into it, just kind of kept fucking going and going and going. And you hold that shame inside of you. And what I've realized is like, I was holding a lot of darkness inside of me about who I was as a person because when we're not aware, we define ourselves by the things we do. Like, mm. how could I have fucked up that badly? I'm such a stupid person. I'm such a bad person. Mm. And the truth is, is like, we're not bad. We're not stupid. We made mistakes. At sub 25, our brains haven't even developed. But we build stories and we hold the shame. And the moment that you started to talk about that was the start of your healing journey. And yeah. that's the same for me. Yeah. Because self-acceptance cannot come if we keep our deepest fears to ourselves and bring them to the light is the hardest, most scary thing ever. Mm. But I have people messaging me, and I'm sure you do as well with your work with Nakoa, people messaging me telling me things that they've never told anyone else. And just that one thing, that telling that one person that can hold it and can say, you're good, like you're going to be okay. That is, I think, the, the like first and foremost thing that people need to be doing. But it's very fucking hard to talk about the things that you're ashamed of and you do it so well today it seems like it shaped you do you feel like you've stepped away from that shame now like have you forgiven the younger you do you think yes until I screw up yeah you know then I screw up or I do something and I go why have I just done that and then I say to myself but at least it's not as bad as it used to be yeah mm. at least I'm not doing it as much as I used to be like I'll make some silly mistake and be like why the fuck did I do that and I'll talk myself out of how bad it is because I'll be like but 89 to 95% of the time has been all good, yeah? There's a weird thing in me as well that goes, it's okay, though, that if I we're allowed those fuck-ups, we're allowed to make those mistakes, I can't beat myself up about it. As, as long as there's progress, as long as you're conscious of it, but if it happens over and over and over, then you've got something you need to work on. So we talk a lot on the podcast about coping mechanisms, right? The way that we release the things that we live with. And you and I, we met in the fitness industry. That's obviously a huge part of how we cope. I think what's really interesting is when you were younger, you were coping, you using things like drugs and alcohol, same as me, prescription painkillers, whatever it was, we had all of those mechanisms, like the bad and unhealthy ones. And towards the back of this episode, we're going to get into all of the amazing things you're doing and the good. I don't want you to think this whole episode is just going to be focused on the past because yeah. like your present and your future are just as important as yeah. the past. But how do you feel like your coping mechanisms have changed? Have you restructured your life totally? So it's like you get those highs and those releases predominantly from somewhere else. And I say predominantly because you said you still every so often can go and party. It's the same as me. I will still go and binge eat a massive pizza, the doughballs, the garlic butter, mm. like, yeah, the chocolate fudge cake, <laughs> the sweets. Like, I know you're a big sweet fan. Yeah. I know that I can't do that every weekend to cope as a self-soothing mechanism, mm. but it doesn't mean I still don't do it. But how do you feel like on the whole you've sort of restructured your life to work for you rather than it like the coping mechanisms ending up on the front page of a newspaper? Oh, that's a good question. I was thinking about this today when I was on my way in here of like, how have we got to this point of like us doing this podcast together to talk about whatever the journey is? And I think that I avoided it before. I didn't want to face any of the things I was going through because I didn't think I could at the time. I had real lack of self-belief of mm. thinking, all right, if I stop for a moment and say, what is the issue? 
Yeah. Let's deal with it. But it said I just avoided. Yeah. Mm. I just took my brain elsewhere with women and drugs and drink and fucking had a great time doing it. <laughs> but yeah, nothing was good for the soul. Nothing was good for the health. Nothing was good for any of those things doing it. But it was all part of my learning process. Yeah. And I wouldn't change it for the world. But I think now more than anything, Lou, is that I've learned to say, okay, what's going on? Mm. Address it, either lean into it or switch it. And I find myself, this is a random example, but I was walking down the river the other day, just doing one of my morning walks. And I go into this meditative state when I'm by myself. And I was really fucking, everything was tense. I could feel it. Oh, my jaw was tense. My shoulder was tense. And then I was like thinking about all the little tools I learned over the years to, to try to switch my brain. And, and just in that exact moment, I just went, Callum, look at the state of your jaw, your shoulders, and just... Just know and just let it go and tell your brain, no, this doesn't have to be this way. It can be different. It's sometimes not that easy, but if you can really take power over your brain by little things you learn along this journey. And I did. I just implemented things I'd learned along the way. And I just said, it's all good. It's a beautiful fucking day. Mm. Let's go own it. All those stresses will be solved. You will find answers. And I went from that to a smile and lightness. And I thought to myself, it so, sounds so simple, but it's so important to implement these things or learn how to do these things. Mm. And learning them came from just, I haven't really ever stuck with one practice for a long amount of time. I've just learned different ones and understood different ones along the way. At one point it was meditation every day for like five months. At one point wow. it was talking about all these things for every day on my social media when I did this thing called Conscious Living with Callum, which I asked you to come on. And now the thought of doing that bores the shit out of me. Mm. But I know that I did it in the moment and I learned from all those different things across the way, whether it be training, meditation, or eating well, or juicing, or whatever these things are, yeah? Whether they're real deep ones or whether they're just kind of surface level ones, they're all going to contribute to a better you if your goal is to be a better person. And I think now I just know it better. I just understand it better and I deal with it better because I have more belief and confidence in myself. How has that come? Maybe practices. How has that come? Maybe age. Maybe proving to myself that I can. You know, mm -hmm. I, now going from bankrupt to uh, this year, I've launched an incredible business in Ibiza. I'm about to open my first restaurant and bar. I've just done this incredible campaign for NACOA and the government. And I'm just like, ah, I wish I felt this way 10 years ago because it might have been different. But at the same time, it's all part of the journey and it is what it is. Yeah. And what I've just taken from you there is like, we live through learning, right? Or we learn through living, I guess is maybe the even better way to say it. And that's why we can't take back these things. We can't take back how much we fucked up. We have both fucked up so much in our life and made so many bad decisions, mm. but we're able to sit here today and kind of like face them lovingly rather than avoiding them. Mm. And I think we, like you said, we're both very good at running, but I think we ran in different ways because as soon as I went sober I took out that ability to run through drugs and alcohol yeah. and prescription painkillers instead it was like okay I'm gonna run obviously not physically because I hate running but like <laughs> metaphorically running through the gym or like self-development and stuff like that and I think yeah we do have that kind of I guess danger where it's like you and I are always focusing on what's next like when I get there that's great. When I've launched that business, I'm going to feel even better. And when I've got the girlfriend, I'm going to feel even better. And when I get married and do this and blah, blah, blah. What is it in the day-to-day -day right now that brings you happiness, would you say? Yeah. One thing I don't give enough credit to that I should, because I do it every day, is, is fitness. And I actually remember hearing you talk one time, and it, all, it, it wasn't against fitness. It was like, I'm doing so much fitness as a Co like a coping uh, Yeah, mechanism. exactly. And it actually made me check myself and think about, is that why I'm doing it? And I'm sure I am. But I do find 
that a daily structure of my fitness is a game changer for yeah. me. I have to, but then I catch myself thinking about what you say, for example, and I'm like, why am I beating myself up if I've not trained? That's another thing that needs to be fucking dealt with. The tricky part about this whole journey of self-exploration, let's say, is that there's so many opinions on it and so many different thoughts and things that what is the right one? The right one is the one that works best for you. And I find that right now in a day-to-day structure, the gym being just wanting better, wanting to provide, and I mean this from my core. The other day I was sitting there and I was really having a moment and I went, Jesus, my, I've worked two years on this restaurant that's about to open. I'm so proud of this. Yeah, that's a game changer for me when it goes how it should. I've launched this business in Ibiza and my football team and this other potential football team in America, all these things are brilliant. Then I'm like, but, but where's my purpose in them? Where's my soul gonna sing? And I went, ah, I've got to go back to what it, what I know it was, and that's my work for Nakoa. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I've got the businesses, super proud of them. Don't want to take anything away from it. I've worked my ass off for this stuff, yeah, and I'm really proud of it. And I want to be an entrepreneur. I am an entrepreneur, and I want to thrive. I want to create all the businesses. I want to fucking keep on going. But I'm also like, let's just say when everything's said and done, what is it that you've brought? Yeah, I want to provide a value for something that I know about, and that is being the child of an alcoholic. What is it that you really want to leave in this world, and you want to leave? a good legacy of trying to provide value for other people. If you're struggling with what you think you should do, look to somebody else who's struggling and try to help that person. And I fucking swear to God, it will come back to you and something will open up and show you the way. That's what I really believed. Yeah, because you were just talking there about like, you have all these businesses and they are amazing and you are a true entrepreneur. Like you have been ever since I've known you. I just thought to myself, like your purpose is being you. Mm. You you are your purpose. Just by existing, Yeah, you are a purpose. Like so many people that are children of alcoholics look up to you. You're the lifeline that they never had. I put out that sticker question yesterday before we spoke. So many of the questions were thank him for the work he's done and like ask him his top tips for children of alcoholics and stuff like that. And that your purpose is just like your being. So I want you to come away from this thinking like, I don't have to do anything with that. But by, if you want to do stuff with that, then you can just like amplify that purpose. But like, you are just enough as you are. Just like the journey you have lived, the pain you have experienced, the purpose you have turned that into, you've helped more people than you could know. Lou, you know, I don't do many of these, but when I do, and it's with somebody like yourself who is extremely knowledgeable, it, you know, this will be a significant moment for me because I just caught myself going, "What? she's so right. Why do I have to feel like I have to provide a purpose? Why can't I just be? But I think that, again, that's got to be some deep-rooted stuff that has to be with being the son of an alcoholic or daughter of an alcoholic. There's this wanting to prove of self. You know what I mean? And I know that. But at least I've kind of faced that and I'm okay with it. But I do sometimes... There's another story. I'm going all over the place, but I was sitting with my friend. We did a podcast like a year ago. It was the last podcast I did about a year ago. And I said to him, I hope you find some peace. Yeah. Mm. And then he was like, no, I don't want the peace. I want to live in the struggle. And then I was like, well, fuck, actually, yeah, I want to live in the struggle too. And then I was torn. I'm like, do I want to find peace? Do I want to find the Zen? Do I want to find the, the relaxing and not have to prove myself, not have to grind away and prove I'm an entrepreneur, not have to show the kids the way, not have to do all these things, just be happy with being? Or do I want to fucking thrive in the struggle? Because something in me loves the struggle still, mm, you know? Because it's, it's what you were raised in. It's what your nervous system knows. Like yeah. it's, we're, we're addicted to the chaos that we grew up in. Yeah. But I just want to say to that, that you can thrive without the struggle. Yeah. 
And that's like me, you know, I've dated these men my whole life and it's been chaotic and passionate and abusive and whatever. And now I'm in just this situation that is just like true love. Wow. Just true care, 100% acceptance. He loves me on my worst days, on my best days. I don't have to worry. I'd never have to look at his phone, not that I even would, but like it's just 100% safety in myself and who I am and who he is. But I can also thrive. I can thrive in that relationship and I can thrive in business. And I want you to know that you can thrive without the struggle yeah. as well. I guess that's the next chapter, yeah. you know? I guess that's from here onwards. Because <laughs> I fucking love me some struggle, I know, Lou. Babes. I love me some struggle. Don't get me wrong. I love peace as well. There's moments of clarity. I sat at home this morning and at, the, at a double espresso, the cat was on my lap and I was like, what a beautiful day. Yeah. You know, this is peaceful. But then I also was like, oh, fuck. What are we going to talk about on the thing? Mm. How are we going to show the way? How are we going to prove the things? Yeah, so it's, it's a it, bit of both, isn't it, really? And I'm know? there as well. Like, I'm not good at peace. Yeah. Same as you. Like, that's why we work out. We launch 500 businesses. We have 700 businesses ideas. We're running from this to this, jumping in the taxi, on the tube, blah, blah. We don't stop. Yeah. Because when we stop, there's pain, right? Yeah. When you stop and in the silence, that's beautiful to hear about the espresso. But there's also moments when you'll think about your dad. Yeah. And you'll think about the pain, right? Yeah. And so we run. But I think both as we both grow and calm and start to like ourselves and look inwards a bit more, mm. we become a bit more okay with sitting. But we also fucking love to run. But what I do want to ask you is, in that moment when you have the cat in your lap and the espresso and the sun's coming in, do you think there's a space for someone there next to you? Like, are you at a point in your life when you would Not like... Another cat? <laughs> another cat, a dog, hamster, yeah. or a girlfriend? Yeah, without a doubt. I've found my energy in this conversation coming up more than ever before. So, like, something is mm. out there mm. brewing. I, I'd be curious to know your answer, although I think I might know it already. But every reply to my answer to this is always the same. But I, I've actually not had a, like a real serious relationship. I've had a few over my years and I've tried, they've never worked. We've, I've never, I've got to be honest, I've never really tried to the fullest because I've never had this feeling that I think I'm supposed to have, which mm -hmm. hasn't come yet, but I'm a big believer that it will, but I'm at an, I'm 42 years old now. And what I've continually told myself over the years is that I don't want to start a family or have a partner until I'm able to provide. Again, something in me wanting to be this like old school provider, right? And But I'm okay with that. I don't think that's ever going to change. I want to be the provider in every way, shape or form. There could be a battle of that, of it's a, it's a mutual thing. We provide for each other, whatever that opinion might be. Yeah, I'm, but the healthy masculine likes to yeah, lead and provide. And I think that's fine. Yeah, totally. And I like to think that I have both that feminine and that masculine and I'm okay with it. I like it. You know what I mean? And I sometimes think to myself, have I blocked off all the energy of a relationship because I'm so focused on businesses? So basically, sorry, the point was I didn't want to have a partner or a family until I was able to provide for them financially. That was what I told myself. And now I'm in this position this year where all the past 10 years have come to fruition. Now now I believe that the next chapter or however from here on out, it's going to be a position where I am more financially stable. I'm more financially sound and things are only going to get better. This is what I've worked for. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I'm like, okay, so now I'm at be the time for me to do that. And this conversation seems to happen with females is every female I speak to says, that's not the right way to look at it. Any time can be the right time. You don't have to have all this money in the bank, so on and so forth. But I, I'm like, I want to, because I want to make sure that that person's always taken care of, you know? Yeah. So if I was a therapist, which I'm not, but I've done enough bloody therapy and enough podcasting that I basically am at this point, yeah. there are some things I picked up on that. Cool. So first of all, I want to say, I get it, right? I'm the same. I don't want to get married and I definitely don't want to have children until I know what country and city I want to live in and 
the business is set up right. Like, I get you on that. Mm. But you also can't use that as a block, okay? Because I think that when we focus outwards on work and we have this big part of our life taken up by something, ultimately it's the perfect way to keep ourselves disconnected from intimacy. It's the perfect excuse to not commit right now. But that makes total sense, right? The more research I did in grief is that, and you might not have heard this, but I think it's really interesting. Grief is the, or like the loss of a parent is the ultimate form of abandonment, okay? So not only in moments in your childhood did your father abandon you through his own battle that he was facing, but then when he died, he also abandoned you, right? Mm. And so the thought of letting someone in when they could fucking leave as well, that's probably one of your deepest fears. Yeah. So by thinking like, I'll just wait till everything's sorted so, and so, then I'm safe and yeah. I'm structured and they won't leave because I can give them what they need yeah. is a, is probably an interesting way of like looking at it. And I think the truth is, is that both you and I need to understand that there never will be the right time. We yeah. can't put guidelines on it. I met my boyfriend on a beach 12,000 miles away. You oh, know? I'm ready. Let's go. That yeah. sounds fucking beautiful. Universe yeah. was like, here you go. Yeah. Here you fucking go. Yeah. Like I was not dating. I was not even planning to date anyone. And if you feel it energetically, if yeah. you feel it, it is out there swirling and something is going to be starting to build. And do you have any characteristics in someone that you're like that those are non-negotiables because when you were younger did you feel like it was really what about what they look like and as you've got older has your type like changed there's still some shallow in me <laughs> no it's just kidding but yeah fucking hell who's not gonna be attracted yeah, but to you a want, beautiful you want them to, you oh want yeah them to come on I, I don't i don't mean that uh, uh, let me just say something quickly on that one is that i yearn for that oh. you know what you just said about meeting this person like on the beach just out of nowhere i'm like Fuck, that's beautiful. I want that. I'm at this point, I'm 42, and I'm so curious to know what love is. I'm so curious to know a feeling I've never felt before. You know what I mean? And I think that I have to believe that it will come. It will. I do believe, I just don't know how or when. And I suppose that's exciting, but it's also like, holy shit, if it's not happened by now, it's, it's like a fucking miracle. You know what I mean? I'm like, what will the scenario be? What will the feelings be? What will that moment be where I'm like, oh my God, I know. Or maybe that doesn't come. I don't know how it will be. I just know that, of course, I want a family. Of course, I want a partner. Of course, I want to be in love. And I have to believe it'll happen. I just wonder sometimes if I've closed myself off from it. I think I have closed myself off. But as long as I'm aware, I can work on opening myself up. Exactly that. And that's what I was going to say is that for me, my experience with love has been, they love my darkness just as much as they love my light. But for them to love my darkness, I have to let them in. Mm. I have to share the most painful, excruciating moments, experiences, memories of my life for them to say, that doesn't change how I feel about you. I love you more for telling me that. When did you get to that point of sharing that with them? Um, Did something in you go, ooh? It was actually my relationship before this one that that I started doing that. Okay. And that was because I was emotionally so unhealthy. I was so unwell mentally and physically. I was in such a dark place. And I start, it's when I started to go to therapy and I started to unravel the relationship with my father and the relationship with work and the relationship with my pain and all these things that I was able to go back after the therapy sessions and talk to my boyfriend about it. And he was able to sit there and hold me physically whilst I was crying and love me through it. And because of that, we had the most soul opening love but it didn't work out but that's okay because it wasn't meant to work out but it taught me love is when you show someone your darkness and they love you even more for it and so I would say that there could be a reason that you haven't experienced that yet is because 
you're keeping that protected and closed off. It's fucking scary to share that with someone. That is, this is why I admire you and love you so much as a friend because everything you just said there, no matter what age we are, we have moments in life where we go, ah, that was a moment for me. Mm. As silly as that sounds, that right there, I thought to myself, I know I factually am a fucking closed book. Yeah. Mm. I will share till the fucking cows come home when it comes to do with being the son of an alcoholic yep. to providing a value for the children. Yep. Yeah. And I'll mean it from yep. my core. But when it comes to me on a romantic level, sharing too much with you, it's fucking close to impossible. Mm. It's there to be done. I know it is. And I get called out for this all the time when I'm dating someone or with someone. They're like, it is fucking impossible to get to know you. Oh, do they say that? Oh, yeah. I've had it multiple times. So what happens if they try to ask you questions? How do you, like, bat them away? Would you say you're picking the, the right people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fucking hell. I'm obviously not picking the right people. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 You know what I like to think? Anybody who I've dated in my past, I like to think I still have a cool relationship. I'm always going to be a well-mannered fucking good man. I oh, know, that's fair. <laughs> I know that sounds real kind of No, it's thing, beautiful. But I mean it. You know, I don't want to have a fallout. I don't want that person to think ill. I want to, but the problem I have is that because I've never fully committed or uh, I've never so opened never up. never fully broken. I think it's okay. Yeah. They probably don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? which sucks but yeah sorry quick one I did this TV show and uh, we had to go on these blind dates and we had earphones in and one of the other celebrities on the show is telling you what to say to your date so I've sat down with my date we're face to face we've just met in three seconds I've told her about alcohol in my family and the woman in my ear goes what the fuck <laughs> Why are you oversharing so much? And I was like, oh, oops. So I have no problem really oversharing certain things and, and opening up about things, but I've never really fully gone, now is the time to open up and share my mm. inner most because this is the potential love I'm looking for. Mm. And I want it, Lou. I, I'd love to be in love. I'd love to know that feeling. I don't know what that person's going to be like. I don't know what they're going to... There's a few certain things I need of well-mannered and goal-setting goal and, and, and wanting to do good and be good, but... Gotta have a naughty side as well. I'm not gonna lie, but you know, when the time comes, which I believe it will, Lou, I'm open to it, I think. Okay, well, at some point that I think is gonna a, change. Yeah. And when it changes, that's when it's gonna come in. Because the I think means you're not certain that you're ready to let love in. I think it's because I don't know what the person is. I don't, you don't I, can't, need to. I can't picture her. You don't need to. Okay. I couldn't picture the person that I'm with now before I met him. You just need to be energetically open-hearted. You are such a catch. Oh my God, anyone would be so, I mean, cannot tell you how many people are like, why are you not married to Callum Best? Like people I've literally- I've got the same thing about you. <laughs> people are like, Respect is... to your fella, love you, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you yeah, both. Yeah, he's, he's an angel. what a woman. Oh, bless you. I wish we had longer. The reason we don't have longer is because we gave Callum the wrong address for today. So he went off on a poor little goose chase round central London. I've got so many more things I want to ask you. Maybe Let's do it again Yeah, then. come back at some point if you'd like to. I would love to. And I just want to say- I feel like we're getting into the juicy stuff now. And I'm like, fuck, I want to keep I going. I can open up to you. I can feel it. It's really? nice. Yeah, it's a really nice thing. I, like I said, not to sound silly, but I, I don't do many of these because I the thought of opening up sometimes is very tiring. Yeah, because I've done a lot of it over my years. But with you, there's an enjoyment that comes with it. You're very good at what you do. You're very warm. You're very welcoming. I'm really, really proud of you, Lou, mm. on a serious note. I think you're an incredible woman. Um, I'm really happy to think it's going well. And if I can do any more to, to guide or help or support along the journey, and I know you feel the same about me in that way. So I think it's a really, really cool friendship that we have. Even if I haven't seen you for fucking a year, I will walk in here like I saw you yesterday. I know. It's just full of warmth, isn't it? Yeah. There's no negative emotions. There's no. no nothing, no judgment, no shame, no jealousy, no envy. It's just like nothing but love and support. Is that rare or what? I think it is rare because I think there's a lot of big egos in friendship. Yeah. And we just don't have any judgment. It's just love. There's just so much love, isn't it? Good. 
platonic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get that. twisted, people. Yeah. <laughs> before that one gets in. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're friends, we're friends, but I love you, Luke. Can Just I, friends. Can I open up to you, please? Yeah. <laughs> Sit on my knee. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, we have to go because someone's cool. in this studio, but I am so happy we've done this. I would love you to come back whenever we will do a part two because I think we were just opening up there and we had to sh shut down, but I don't think that matters. I think there have been some really powerful realisations there and I'm grateful for you sharing your story because there's a lot of people that are listening. If you are a child of an alcoholic, please, please, please go and follow Callum. Please check out the campaign that he's doing with Nakura at the moment. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Tell them about your businesses. Where can they find you? Yeah, cool. Just my personal Instagram, at Mr. Callum Best, and pretty much you'll see everything across the board. So Including his penis, which is... Yeah, you go. There's a few pictures of that as well. Just kidding, because I'm a changed, healed man. <laughs> if you Google the sun, Louise Rumble, <laughs> Callum Best, there's a great picture no, there. No, don't I'm just do gonna any of that shit, people, you. yeah. But no, yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Lou. Love you to bits. I and I will happily come back next week and do this again. Okay, well, I'm actually doing one more recording session before I leave, so maybe we'll do that. Cool. Love you, bye. bye.